0: Well, Crowder's down here, Kathy's not here. It's the story of the widow's offering. I've heard this talked about in so many different ways, but never have I personalized it the way I'm going to share with you tonight. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. A penny or two. And he called unto him his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. All of her living is what she gave. In Luke it says it this way, she cast in more money than them all. She of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. This is the Word of God, and it is for the people of God. Amen. Um, in, in Luke 21, it's the first four verses. In Mark 12, it's the last four. Kind of flip-flop. The 21's a 12, and the 1 through 4 is the last four. 41 to 44. So it's interesting how that works. I want to take just a quick moment before God, in a word of prayer, asking Him to... Um, Open his heart to us tonight. God, I know that you have abundantly thought of and considered who would be here tonight and what you would need for us to hear. And so I'm asking you to speak it. Announce it. Shout it from the rooftops if need be. But let us not be quiet about who you are to us. And may this poor widow speak to our hearts tonight. Though she be long gone, her testimony, her tribute lives on. May we, in the same heart and mind as her, find a way to make our tribute, our testimony, live on. Amen. So I began learning something, and I'm just now brand new at learning this. It's sound pollution, noise pollution, sound waves, volume of sound. I've understood different things. I've always talked about decibels of different things, different technical stuff, electronics. never understood exactly what a certain decibel meant. I downloaded an app to test the sound in our Celebrate Recovery program because it was too loud. And I wanted to know what volume was not too loud, what wouldn't hurt our ears. And I found out that 102, anything from 99 to 102 and above, sounds like a rock concert. That's too loud. And so we found a way to get it down to 95 where it sounded like a comfortable worship. In our worship today here, if I would have turned it on, I'm sure that our sound level would have been about 90 decibels. Well, creatively, I thought it would be interesting to see what different sound levels sound like, what decibels are what. Well, when it was at 96 decibels, it said it sounds like an average blender running. Yeah, it's kind of loud, kind of annoying when you think of a blender, but that's the volume level, not the annoyance level. A pretty sound at that level sounds comfortable. A ugly sound hurts our ears. We were sitting at the dinner table yesterday and our little chihuahua was barking. He barks most of the time at 97 decibels. <laughs> it hurts. It's irritating. It's irritating. <laughs> and sometimes when he wasn't doing that real high pitched bark, the lower pitch, it was only about 93. And those were more bearable. And I didn't understand the difference was only four decibels. But I thought I'd, you know, find out what a normal conversation looks like. And in our average conversation at the dinner table, I just left it sitting there. My daughter thought I was recording or something. But it was about 80 to 84 decibels. If you're sitting in your car, it's about 68 decibels, what they say, 68 to 70. That's the sound of your car as you're driving around. Well, I went to the quietest room in the house. I could hear nothing, absolutely nothing. I thought it would read zero. It read 35 decibels. And its little description said, the sound of a quiet whisper. So I cleared my throat. I went like that. And it said, the sound of a normal quiet house. And I thought to myself, if I can't hear anything, At 35 decibels, it sounds quiet to me, but there's a whole bunch of noise going on. What noise am I missing? What sounds am I not hearing? I strained my ears. I could hear absolutely nothing but my own thinking. It was completely quiet to me. And I thought, what would it be like if I were to somehow dig a hole, go underground, and take that thing in there where there's no sound whatsoever coming from anything except for the dirt and the plants growing, and see what zero sounds like, and then come back out into that 35 and see if I can hear it. And you say, what, what, what does this have to do with this widow, right? What does this have to do with anything to do with God? Well, I share with you this. They call that 35 decibel that you don't hear anymore white noise. It's just constant noise in the background and we tune it out. People who have trouble hearing have to compensate for that 35 decibels and get a hearing aid that gets them to hear above that 35 decibel level to people talking. And there's a 35 decibel range where someone's speaking to them where they need to be able to magnify what's above the 35 to about 70 decibels. When they magnify that, it also can't magnify the 35 which I can't hear. If it magnifies the 35 I can't hear to a a loud level, then you're going to hear just a bunch of blur, whatever that white noise sounds like. We learn to tune out things that are common. We learn to tune out things that don't, grab our attention. Interesting, isn't it? But it's true. And I do remember one time, a long time ago, when I went on a tour of a cave. And they turned all the lights off. It was not only black, it was pitch black. Couldn't see the hand in front of your face. And they said, now just listen. Listen. And he said, you are now hearing absolutely nothing. And the man walked a hundred yards down by the aid of his flashlight, turned it off, whispered, we could hear it. A hundred yards away. Another time, on vacation, we went to the Mormon Tabernacle in Salt Lake. I was just a little bitty kid, back in the early 70s. And we were at the back end as far as I can remember, of the church. It's been so long ago. You know, I was only six years old. So, or seven maybe. And they dropped a pin in this acoustically perfect place that had very low decibels. And you could hear this little pin fall and tinkle on the ground at the other end of the church. They said this is one of the most acoustically perfect buildings. I've never forgot that. In 1986, in January, our country was rocked to its core. You may not remember the event yet, but something which had seemed commonplace all of a sudden went wrong. You may remember, I believe it was January 23rd, 1986, that was it 86 seconds after takeoff, the Shuttle Challenger blew up. When the first one took off in the early 80s, everybody watched it on TV. They called school, entire school, to watch it on TV. By 1986, January, it was commonplace and no one paid any attention. When it blew up, all our attention was focused back on it. Oh, the shuttle's going to take off before that. Oh, the shuttle's going to take off. Another load going up. It was white noise. Commonplace. But when it blew up, the whole nation mourned. Why? Because it wasn't white noise anymore. It was Krista McAuliffe, a teacher, and six other people who were gone. Matter of fact, two years after that, I was in an automobile accident in Chicago, and her uncle is, is the one that hit me. <laughs> yeah. I think his name was Don McAuliffe. And I said, that's an interesting name. And he really, she goes, that's my niece. Interesting connection. So that's my claim to fame in that event. <laughs> but what I've tried to share with you is, after a while, we hear people say, you know, I lost my home, I lost my job. It sound, it's just white noise again. It doesn't hit home anymore. And, and, and for some reason, we forget that all this stuff that's going on is actually real people going through it. And when we become the person crying out, we say, why didn't anybody listen? Because we've learned to put it in the background and not even hear it anymore. In this story, there's people walking into the treasury. The treasury if you remember our tabernacle series, it was this big gold box. And if you put something in there, metal on metal, it's going to clink. Well, a lot of the rich folks put their money in a bag. And you could hear the bag with the money in there thud when they dropped it. And a lot of them would drop it from up high, so it sounded like they gave more. Well, this little widow had two coins that barely weighed a pennyweight, which is like a tenth of an ounce, if that about as much as a safety pin or a paper clip each. And she put them in. And she probably barely set them in. And you might have heard a tinkle if you were listening. But after you've heard these chunks and thuds and people dropping their money in, and you hear two tinkles, you don't even hear it. It sounds like she gave nothing. Oh, she gave nothing. There was no sound. She didn't do much at all. And the people around probably thought, well, she obviously didn't put anything in, worth anything. And this is where Jesus looked and watched. You know, the the, or the people just setting it in or throwing it in. And it says, she took her two pennies worth and tossed them in and kept going. And Jesus said, look, she gave more than anybody else. And it didn't make a sound. And the people who threw in those big bags going, (laughs) I I threw a hundred times as much as that, plus maybe a thousand times as much as that in there. How can you say she gave more than I did? You heard my thud. I made a difference today for this temple. That's what they think. I made a difference. God should bless me because I did good. And this widow says to herself, I'm going to put it in a goat. And I don't have enough to feed myself, so I'm going to have to trust God. This isn't going to feed me anyway. I'm throwing it in there. And I'll have to trust God that someone here, maybe someone with one of those big bags will give me some alms today. Some way, somehow. Because she's supposed to receive alms. If she gave all the living that she had, she did not receive alms. Do you understand that? Giving alms was required to be given to the widows, orphans, and to those begging at the temple door, the gates. Required. She had nothing to feed herself with. Which means nobody who had all that money was helping her. Why? Because she was the white noise in the background. So she walks in and says, I know God can't use this much. I'll give it and I'll go. But I've got to tell you, the question she shouldn't have asked was, I know why God can't use me. Why would it even try? i got nothing to give. How can God use me? And here's the question I believe she should have asked. Is, why can God use me? Not, why can't God use me? Why can he? And the very simple answer is, is she gave more than anybody else because she gave everything she had. That's faith. Do you ask God, God, why can't you use me? Or do you tell him, you can't use me, I don't know anything. I don't have any skills. I don't know how you can use me, God. Or do you say, God, why do you use me? Or do you say, God, I don't know why, but you can use me. Understand, the Scripture says, when we come humbly, He lifts us up. When we say, God, I don't know why you can but you're welcome to anything I got, and if you can use it, use it. That's the kind of person God's looking for. This morning I mentioned that it wasn't because of who I am that I'm in the pulpit here, it's because of what God did. I'm not worthy without God to do anything for Him, I'm not self worthy. I can't make myself worthy of God's service. I can't make myself holy by acting holy. I can't make myself sinless by appearing sinless. Neither can you. I can't walk down the street and say, today I'm not going to sin and therefore I should be blessed and God should draw people to me so I can worship and minister with them because today I'm not sinning. That therefore makes me worthy. It's just not true. Doesn't make me a bit worthy. The only thing that makes me worthy is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for me. That He becomes the righteousness of God in me. And we become the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's a gift. We do not stand and work for God because we have worth. We do it because God asked us to. And realize that we do it on His terms, not ours. This week I was having one of those poor me parties. You ever have one of those? Pity party, Pity party, yeah. Woe is me. Oh, I'm so miserable. I'm not worth anything. I don't know why you're even trying to use me, God. And I said, God, I haven't done anything, you know, and... Uh, God, I don't know why you're trying to use me. You know, I'm just a miserable person. And God said, well, at least we agree that you don't deserve it. (laughs) And I said, God, you're supposed to tell me how wonderful I am. He said, no, you don't deserve it. It's not about you. And the moment you think it is, I can't use you anymore. And I thought, hey, well, that must be a good place to be after all. I don't want to be white noise. I don't want to be a voice crying in the wilderness that nobody listens to. God didn't call us to fade into the background of this world and say, God is great, and no one, know that we spoke it. I believe God wants to put us in position and in places to succeed to do His work and His calling, to place us, even with a little bit, in a position where we can throw all we have in, like that widow did, and God can use us. It doesn't have to be a ton of stuff. It doesn't have to be about what we have. It's never been about what we have or what I have. It's about who He is, what He has And what He does with that which confounds those who do have something and think it matters. As the old saying says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. You don't win if you die with the most toys. You die. God gave us a gift of life. When I grew up, there was a tumbler Had a saying on it, you may have seen this. It says, Who you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. God has to help us become holy people, He has to do the work Himself. Have you ever seen a potter work on a piece of pottery? On a potter's wheel. Gets the wheel spinning, gets it kind of wet, gets his hands wet. Takes this chunk of clay, balls it up into a ball. He puts it on the wheel. He puts his hands around the side of it like this. And depending on the shape he wants, if he doesn't want it tall and skinny and he wants it, say, more flat, do you know what he's got to do to that piece of clay to get it flat? He's got to take his hand... Like this, bend his elbow, push it down on that wheel while holding it with his hand, and push down with enough pressure to get that clay to yield under that pressure. And that clay will begin to take shape. He doesn't smash it down to submit it, it would be worthless. He puts enough pressure for it when it yields that it becomes what he wants it to be. It doesn't have any clue what that potter wants to make of it. And once he does that, he can start putting his hands on the side and his thumbs a little bit in the top to begin to make an opening. If he's making a bowl, for example, or a, or a platter, puts his thumbs in the opening. As it spins, his thumbs go in. If he's trying to make a tall vase, he's going to have to not only put his thumbs in, he's got to push the sides in and bring the walls up of it and his thumbs in again, and then his hands inside keep it spinning to get it tall. And once he gets it tall, it's not done. He's still got to keep working and molding and shaping it. And inside, on the bottom of that piece of clay spinning, there's a bunch of, shall we say, lumps. It's not smooth yet. So he's got to stand up and stick his hand down inside and start working on the bottom of it. And he's got to get his hand all the way in there to get to that bottom if it's a tall pitcher. Hear this. That picture will never be taller than the length of that arm. Hear this. God will never take you any further than his arm can reach. And he'll always work with you and dig deep inside you to mold you for what he says is you, not what you tell him you need to be. This widow said, I got nothing. And God said, then you can trust me to take your nothing to make it something. Because God specializes in making something out of nothing. He created this world out of nothing. That's his specialty. You and I bring him nothing. He speaks to it. It becomes beautiful. If we bring him something grander, God's going to say, you did that. I don't want that. I want what I want from you. And so it's best to come humbly and say, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? I can tell you, God, that I don't have much, but anything i got is all yours. And you can have me any way you want. And he'll say, there you go. That's how you do it. God doesn't hear white noise when we give our all. He doesn't hear white noise when His children cry out. He listens and He loves us. I'm going to do something kind of.